Welcome to the world's premier Black Crows podcast. State of America. Hosted by two of the band's most dedicated fans, David Hudson and Ian Rice. And now, let's get the show on the road. All right, everybody, welcome to the State of America podcast. As always, I am one of your hosts, David, and with me always is my good buddy, Ian Rice. That's me. How are you doing? I'm doing well, sir. How are you doing? Man, I can't complain. We're rounding out. Summer's about over and get to my favorite, one of my favorite times of the year, fall, and uh, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited that we got to round out the summer here right at the tail end with such a fantastic interview. Yeah, I mean, I've been wanting to get Dean Del Rey on here pretty much since I've been podcasting. And Ian used his, uh, as he likes to call it, his New York charm and was able to uh, to get him on here for uh, this interview this week. And we were able, he was gracious enough to do it on Labor Day with us, which was really, really cool. What exactly is the New York charm? Thing? See, I hey, don't know. For, for, am for, I? For for those out there, Ian always gives me a hard time because sometimes I can land some guests that we've been trying to get and he's been unsuccessful at. And he says, it's just my Southern charm. So he got this one that I couldn't get earlier. So it's his New York charm. I went for the old Twitter Hail Mary and uh, it panned out. It worked, didn't it? It did. And I've been a big fan of Let There Be Talk for, for quite some time. I got into it because he had... So many members of the Black Crows on, most of which are, were around the Magpie Salute time. You know, Mark Ford was just before and I think afterwards as well. And then I started listening to his other stuff. And he has so, you know, some of my favorite comedians on there. I'm a big fan of stand-up. And uh, you know, so it's those two worlds merging in his podcast is just fantastic for me. I, I love it. He had the Magpie on. I, I, know, I, I know he had Sven, Mark, and Rich on there when he did that. It was the first time I ever heard Sven talk. And then I know he's had Rich on solo, and he's had Steve on, Gorman on twice. And mm-hmm. I always tell everybody the first Dean Del Rey interview with Steve Gorman is the definitive Steve Gorman interview. Everybody needs to go listen to it. Yeah, that's a great one. And he had Mark Ford on twice, too. I believe the last time he had Mark on outside of the Magpie stuff was when he was either had just recorded or was just about to record The Vulture. I mean, am I crazy doing the interview? Did he say that Mark Ford played in his band for a show one time? He did, and I, I, I would have pursued that a little further, but I had nothing to go on. So yeah, the thing about Dean is, I mean, I could have talked to him for another hour, and you know, and he easily could have gone another hour. I just, uh, you know, I, we kind of backed off just to be respectful of his time. But I mean, I, 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 we didn't even scratch the surface as far as I'm concerned. Some of us had to work that day. Well, yeah, there's that. No, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> some of us got up at 4 a.m. and went in so they'd be able to do the interview. No, I mean, there was just he's just such a wealth of material is what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. And he, he knows everybody. I mean, he's had uh, ACDC on his podcast. He's had uh, like Gene Simmons on there. I think he's had Rob Halford. He's had him on there. And then, of course, he's real big into the Crows and everything. So I think everybody's going to like that. Go to his website, DeanDelRay.com, and you can get all the information on his uh, stand-up career. And he's going on tour with Marcus King. You'll see where they're going to be. And he has a very active, very good Patreon. Go check that out and see uh, if it's for you. I think it will. It looks like it's really, really active. Yeah, he does a lot of bonus episodes on the Patreon. And, uh, you know, it's well worth the money if you if you like what you hear on Let the Bray Talk. It definitely... We'll flesh out some things too. He also does a really cool podcast with Mark Marin, 
that's called Dark Fonzie, which yeah. is uh, very entertaining because Mark Marin is an entertaining guy as well. So, uh, you know, definitely check out his stuff. And that Marcus King tour starts on September 9th and runs all the way through the end of October, finishing up in New Orleans. So uh, definitely check out those tour dates and, and, and get yourself some tickets to a show if you can. Yeah. And then let's see, we need to welcome our new patrons, Jack Jenkins and Jerry Desmond. Thank you for joining. Jerry Desmond has been a supporter of ours for a long time. I'm glad to see him on the Patreon finally because he's a great guy based out of the UK. Always, uh, always very positive about the podcast and definite welcome to him. All right. And so he wanted me to read this out on the podcast. Uh, he's wanting to get uh, a meetup for uh, the Black Crow show there. So I'm just going to read what he sent me. Calling all Irish Americans and State of America podcast fans. To celebrate the Black Crow's first Irish gig in over 23 years in the 3A Arena, Dublin, and the first gig of the European Tour on Wednesday, the 21st of September. We will celebrate with a pre-gig hang in the Harbor Master Pub in the IFC from 5 p.m. There'll be finger food and beautiful prints available to all. It'd be great to see as many Americans and State of America podcast fans as there as possible. After the show, we can reconvene back in the Harbor Master Pub for some late night pints and to discuss the show. Looking forward to seeing you all there. So uh, he is on Facebook. It's Jerry Desmond, G-E-R-R-Y, and he's on Instagram. So get in touch with him, or if you want to, just get in touch with us, and I'll pass it along to him. Pretty cool him wanting to have a semi-state of America meetup over there in uh, the U.K., but obviously Ian and I won't be able to make that one. Well, let me tell you something, though, that really does excite me. It would excite me that anybody that is a fan of this podcast getting together without us actually being there, I don't know, that just excites me. And the fact that it's in the UK, that's where my people are from. I mean, my name's Ian Rice, for God's sake. I, uh, you know, I got some Irish blood in me, so that'd be fantastic. I tell you what, anybody that shows up to that and uh, makes this a special thing with Jerry, when we start our next T-shirt run, Everybody that shows up and sends us a picture that they were there, get themselves a T-shirt. Look at you. Ian Claus is coming early. Labor Day weekend. I can't tell you how much people meeting up internationally somehow associated with this podcast excites me. I, I, the, the, it never ceases to amaze me what goes on. I, I love it all. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah. We've made so many good friends doing this. That's the best part of this yeah. whole thing, man. Yeah. Uh, we really have from all over the world. I mean, when I had COVID, I had people from all over checking on me. Uh, it was really cool. We haven't met anybody or done anything with anybody this podcast that was anything other than excellent. That's right. So that's uh, I'm throwing that out there. So that's uh, an advance uh, offer to you folks. And uh, I look forward to seeing some of your faces uh, in photos from that event. And I do want to bring up again the uh, Moon Crush Festival in Miramar Beach, Florida, which is essentially Destin. It's coming up in April. It's a big group of us going. Uh, I think all of our free rooms are, I believe they're taken up or about to be taken up. But uh, if you want to go, go online, Moon Crush Festival. It's in April. It's going to be fun. There's about 20 of us coming uh, that I know of. If you want to buy tickets for the four-day event, uh, I bought pods. That's what they're called as pods in the 500 section on the rich side of the stage. So that's about halfway back. Uh, they were a little cheaper than the others. They're, it's three fifty a piece for four nights. That's a pretty good bargain considering the quality of the bands are going to be there. Uh, Black Pumas, Marcus King, Jason Isbell, Mofro, Avit Brothers, 
uh, and of course the black crows and, and others, but we're mainly going to see the black crows. We're going to catch all four nights. So if you're interested in that, send me a message on any of our socials and I'll tell you where our tickets are and give you more information about it. Yeah, that's definitely going to be a good time. And I apologize. I can't make it, but uh, David will definitely be waving the flag high for both of us. I just want to let people know that uh, we got some very exciting episodes coming up down the line here. We have something with uh, smile and Jay McDowell from BR 549 coming up. We have the first standalone Steve's picks heading your way. Also have a, a uh, breakdown of the Tall Sessions release coming up. There's a lot of great stuff. Ian's coming to visit me four weeks from today. We're going to mm-hmm. start in New Orleans and make our way north, and, and we're going to at least have one or two episodes uh, with interviews from that. So uh, that's going to be fun. So we got a lot of exciting things coming up. Yeah, and if you want to kind of get in a little deeper on that Delta trip party that we're having, you should uh, head on over to our Patreon uh, patreon.com slash state of America and sign up. Cause we're going to be putting a lot of exclusive content on there. Yeah. And we're going to be, and follow us on Instagram. We're going to do some Instagram lives. Uh, we'll Instagram live and we're at Robert Johnson's grave, which I think is pretty, pretty cool. We'll do a little Instagram live when we're at the Dockery farm, which is where Robert Johnson, sun house pop staples. I forget who it's. We'll find out when we get there. It's a ton of people. And then, uh, Ian and I are spending the night at, uh, an apartment above Morgan Freeman's Blues Club. That's right, and I told you two beds, two beds, David. <laughs> and we're hoping, uh, we're hoping Mr. Freeman is there. He uh, he's there a lot when he's in town. I uh, I met him in high school. He uh, is very approachable and nice. So if if he's there, you went, we're... you went to high school with Morgan Freeman. No, but I met him when I was in high school. <laughs> I was I, I was literally on a, it was like a Saturday night. I was and getting ready to get to go in around midnight. Went in this gas station to get something to eat, and he was in line behind me. Wouldn't it be the end-all, be-all if we could have him saying, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to State of America, in that infamous voiceover voice that he has. All right, so you're laying down the gauntlet. I am. We'll take the little mini recorder, you know, he can be like, you're listening to the State of America podcast. The worst Morgan Freeman impression I've ever heard. (laughs) And mine would have been the worst, but that's exactly why I didn't do it. (laughs) So, yeah, so follow us, at least follow us on Instagram for that. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, We're going to be in New Orleans. We're going to get some good Cajun food for Ian. We'll go by Tipitina's. Mm. Uh, We'll be in the French Quarter for a little bit, and then we're going to go up to the Hill Country and see what we can uncover up there. I'll take you to William Faulkner's house. It's going to be fun. We're going to have a good old time with you as the tour guide. I just picture you like David Lee Roth in that, I think it was the Panama video, where he's driving that car around with the hat on and says, yeah. tour guide on it. Yeah. What What if I do something like that the whole time and I have like the little walkie-talkie? <laughs> All right, on your right, we're seeing where uh, Leonard Skinner's plane crashed. If you look a bit closer, you can see some of the fuselage. It would only be good if you rented a giant tram and I just sat all the way in the back of it and we did that because that would be amusing. Don't tempt me. <laughs> all right so uh, everybody uh thanks for listening we're not going to waste your time anymore because this is a quality interview that we did with dean delray a big thank you to him he did not have to do this and it was very cool of him to come on yes absolutely and uh hopefully if we're lucky enough we'll have him back in the future sometime all right everybody here's dean delray <laughs>
All right, I have wanted to have this guy on here for so long. Uh, Dean Del Rey's Let There Be Talk podcast is one of the best music and comedy podcasts out there you're going to find. I started listening to his podcast pretty early on, I think within the first 100 episodes. One of the reasons I really like the podcast is you may hear a hair metal band person on there, and then you'll hear Marcus King or you know Duff McKagan. But anyway, it's a real honor to welcome Dean Del Rey to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I, I don't know about hair metal. Uh, I don't think I've really had any hair metal people on. Well, I will say this. A lot of people consider LA guns that I don't. Right. Right. You've had Tracy on numerous times, right? Yeah. Yeah. I've had him on a few times, but I would say, you know, out of that whole era, I probably, you know, I've had, you know, out of the eighties, I haven't had really anybody on that. I would consider in that era, uh, People that I don't think are part of that are, you know, Guns N' Roses, uh, Junkyard. I never looked at them as uh, like a hair metal band. To me, hair metal is was just kind of like the third wave of bands that got signed. It was never like maybe the one and twos. The ones really had uh, the songs. That's why I don't really consider them hair metal. I kind of consider the hair metal as when the record companies were desperate and they're like, just go get anybody and spike up their hair and throw some spandex on and uh, sign them. You know, that's more of, uh, of what I would look at that as, you know? Yeah. That seems to be when the, uh, the scene kind of got watered down a little bit, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And also during that era, uh, you know, I, I mean, I don't consider guns and roses in that at all. I, I consider them just an incredible band at the same time. I'm listening to like Jane's addiction and uh you know nwa so i was not one of those guys that was like you know i call them hair metal tumbleweeds where they're blowing around now like there's no good music anymore and i'm like (laughs) when they say that i'm like oh i'm glad they said that i i don't need to talk to this person they're gonna take up too much time with but man i remember back in my day usually those people music to them they don't really care about music it's more of like the memories of when they didn't have a bad, you know, marriage or credit card debt or, you know what I mean? It takes them back to, you know, oh, fucking yeah, you know, that's what it is to them really, which is, which is fine. You know, everybody likes music for different reasons, but uh, to me, it was way further than uh, a memory back in 84, you know? That is a huge pet peeve of mine when people are like, there's no good music today. There's amazing music today. There's some of the best music I've ever heard today. A 100%. I think back then there was only like maybe five or six bands and uh, and then, you know, a bunch of little scragglers. And now there's just thousands of bands. I, I can't even remember them all. I have to keep notes in my phone. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, this band. And then, I mean, there is so much good music now. It's a, it's incredible. Do you think that because of social media and the way music is distributed now, a lot more bands have a chance to get out there than maybe they would have say back in, in those, those days. I think it's a lot easier, but it's also a lot harder because there's so much that how do you grab any traction? Uh, you can see one band and they're everywhere, but then you have like 30 bands that are absolutely insane, like a rival sons. And you're going like, wait a minute, you know? So I do think it's easier and it's also harder. I think back in the day, uh, the people with word of mouth was so strong and amazing uh, with tape trading and the passion and everything 
I think it was a lot easier back then. If you could get a little traction, uh, you would stick around for a long time. Now you get a little traction and then the next day you're out of the algorithm and people are like, what happened to them? (laughs) You know, I've heard people say what happened to the black crows for 30 years. You know, uh, they had that. She talks to angels, man. That was what happened to them. Same with the wallflowers. I mean, Jacob Dylan dropped one of the greatest records of his career uh, last year. Yeah. Unreal record uh, produced by Butch Walker. This thing's a masterpiece. And, uh, you know, there's just those people and um, you can't really do anything about it, which is fine. I mean, I think I think a lot of bands. Their best albums aren't their first albums. The first albums are what a lot of people gravitate to, like Pearl Jam's 10 and things like that. But I think the the best stuff comes much later when, unfortunately, some of those fringe people have fallen off. So from a commercial standpoint, it doesn't do them a lot of favors. But artistically, it's they just keep, a lot of bands just keep growing. And it's a shame that audiences aren't tuned into that. Well, I mean, take, for instance, the Black Crows. I mean, that's what your podcast is about. Right. I, I don't listen to the first record at all. I don't like the first record. Uh, I liked She Talks to Angels. I love the video, but I, I'm not into that era of the Black Crows at all. So uh, that's why I wasn't too excited about the tour, you know, because I'm definitely, you know, Southern Harmony, Amorica, Three Snakes. Right. And uh, especially uh, once you get Mark and Eddie in the band and just the depth of the songwriting. And that's really what it was about for me. Uh, but uh, don't get me wrong. That first record did get me into the Black Crows, but it didn't stick with me for a while. At the same time, there was uh, the London Choir Boys at the same exact time. And uh, we had them both at the Stone in San Francisco. And they were pretty similar, but the Black Crows had better songs and they had that uh, mighty record company behind them and yeah. massive touring of the States. So uh, thank God that they got to make the next three records, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Did you get to catch the Crows when they were with Junkyard? I've seen every tour of the Black Crows, every one okay. of them. Well, before we talk about the Black Crows a little bit, let's talk about our guy, Marcus King. I got on him on his first album. I've seen him several times. Each time I see him, it's a bigger crowd. Uh, the set lists get better. How did you first connect with him? Because I know he's been on your podcast two or three times. Yeah, somebody said, I get a lot of music sent over to me, of course, daily uh, in D, uh, DMs and emails and stuff. And uh, they said, hey, check this guy out. He's a smoker on guitar. <laughs> and whenever somebody says that, I'm like, this is going to be terrible. You know? <laughs> yeah. Smoker on guitar, 95% of the time means zero songs. Right. And I'm not going to name any names here because I'm not a dick. Uh, if you like guitar, <laughs> That's fucking great. But I hate guitar solos if they're not in music. Like on Instagram, I just fly by that shit so quick. You know, so they sent it over and I listened to it and immediately was like, what happened to me when I listened to like Southern Harmony? Uh, I was like, oh, wait a minute here. We got a Southern soul rock band here i'm not going to call them a southern rock band because that's not what they are i consider them more of soul rock from the south you know from the carolinas and stuff but there were a lot of bands back in the day not a lot but a few that i love that played like soul music when you got a b3 in there and when you have actual songs 
that aren't like my baby, baby, my baby, don't go, you know, look out, girl, baby, got a whiskey, you know, like <laughs> I, I, and I, and look, I don't want to sound, you know, negative, but that's fine if you like that. But to me, I really need songs for something to stick. And this guy's records, every one of them has like five songs that blow my mind. And we're about to go on this tour. Mm. And I can't even tell you how excited I am to see what's in the set list because this guy can put anything in the set list and I am, uh, I am on board. Actually, it's probably a good time now to mention Dean will be on tour with the Marcus King Band starting Friday, September 9th in Philadelphia and going all the way through to the end of October. So uh, definitely pick up tickets to that one. But I'm sorry, Dean. Uh, carry on. So he's 20 at the time when I meet him. Uh, I'm trying to get him on the podcast. He's extremely shy at the time, extremely shy. And I finally talked to him and he's coming to town and he's playing guitar with Chris Robinson at the will term. Right. So I go down and I interview him and, uh, you know, I'm just trying to navigate through the interview. I can kind of tell maybe it might be one of his first few in long form interviews. And I fell in love with the guy. And I knew right away, this guy's an old soul. He was 20 at the time, but he seemed like he was 45. You know, he had toured his ass off. He, he had made multiple records. And now he has, I think it's five or six records out. The new one just came out Friday. And from then we created a great relationship. And over the years, I've just been mind blown by the amount of music this guy puts out. That's the number one thing, a record like every year. And then the touring He's old school, man. This guy is old school. But the main thing is he can sing, he can write, and he can play. It's the trifecta that is very hard to find in the music world. He is so good that I always worry. I'm like, oh, uh oh, hey, don't be doing any drugs or taking helicopters. You know what I'm saying? You, 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 need, you need to be on the bus and we need you around for years. <laughs> he's so good he's one of those artists that you become very apprehensive about their next release like can he keep up this momentum like is this next record going to be just as good you know <laughs> which is exciting that's right and um you know i'm i'm really uh happy that uh you know uh, the producers that he have worked with are so real also you know dan and of course uh dave you know the uh these producers are Dave Cobb has made, he is the Rick Rubin of now. Dave Cobb yeah. has made some of the greatest records and all over the board with different styles from, you know, Stapleton to Marcus King to Rival Sons. Man, uh, Dave Cobb. And then, of course, Dan, who is just unreal also. So he's it, it, he's got great teams behind him, killer management, and he's got a level head on him. Yeah, I mean, he's an excellent songwriter. During your last interview with him, you kind of touched upon the fact that he had started doing some writing with some what they call outside writers. He had done some work with Desmond Child. I was actually interested to get your opinion on bands working with outside writers. Do you, do you see that as problematic at all in any situation or is it I'm always looking for people's opinions on that? I only think it's problematic if it's forced upon them. You know, they go, we love you. And then they get you on a record deal. And then they go, now you're not going to do any of that shit here. You're going to work with these people. And they try to mold you and stuff. And that's when I have a problem with it. Uh, because why even sign the person, you know, right. 
um, with Marcus, I get it, man. He is a, uh, a sponge. He wants to take in all different influences and all different vibes and work with all kinds of different people. And that, I think is great as long as it's not forced upon you. And I know it's not forced upon him and, you know, look at the track record of songwriting that he has. So yeah, you know, unfortunately in this world, sometimes you have to play the game with the label. So you're not labeled, you know, difficult to work with. And then when you get the power, you can just do whatever you want. So it is a, uh, a fine line, but I know with Marcus, he's a uh, very upfront about it and it's not like hidden secret, like, yeah. you know, all the, all the R and B groups right now and all that, just here, we got like 80 writers, you know? Yeah. So what, you know, so I don't, I don't really have a problem with that. I know me personally, if somebody tried to write jokes for me, there would just be no way I would even do it. Cause the only reason I do comedy is the creative part of it. You know, trying to find this funny to make strangers laugh. You know, you could hire crazy great writers, but where's the thrill in that? You know, where is the thrill in that? And at least with Marcus, when he's writing, it's not like, hey, here's the songs. He's writing with them. Right. That's a whole different game. One of the great things about him is no two records are the same. Right. Like this last album, man, it has almost like a 70s ZZ Top feel to it. It's total Diguello, you know? The the second album had a song on it called Goodbye Carolina. So great. He was young when he wrote that song. To be able to write the way he does, he writes like somebody, like you said, that's 45, 50 years old, that's been on the road his whole life. Now, I was going to ask you this, because this seems to be a trend. I've always heard that athletes want to be musicians and musicians want to be athletes. I've never heard the expression that uh, athletes want to be musicians. I've never heard that. It's always been to me my whole life. Comedians want to be musicians. Musicians want to be comedians. And it goes back to me with John Belushi, who is one of the reasons I do stand up comedy. Well, I just opened for Metallica two nights uh, for their 40 year anniversary in our hometown of San Fran. We're both from San Francisco. I mean, they started in LA. And whenever yeah. I say that people, you know, you get that fucking guy. Hey man, you don't know shit about music. They started in LA, dude. It's like, yeah, yeah. Keep telling yourself that. <laughs> you <know? laughs> um, I think that, and Marcus and I thought of this tour Three years ago, I would say about two weeks, maybe a week before the lockdown, I interviewed him when he was secretly out here working with Rick Rubin. And I went to his hotel and he's like, man, I really love comedy, man. I've been getting into it uh, ever since I met you, you know, and uh, I'm fascinated with it. I wouldn't even mind trying to do a set. Maybe we're out there and we have a little fun and do something like that. I'm like, man, I'll do a rock comedy tour with you anytime. They're very difficult, but if we get the word out that there's going to be comedy also, and if you're not into that, you can just go get a beer and a t-shirt. That's totally cool. But if we can really get the word out that there's, this is a different type of tour, like, you know, Lollapalooza was a different type of tour when it went out, you know, you had hip hop, you had funk, you had metal, And you had indie rock. So I think, you know, back in the 70s, a lot of acts had comedians open for them. But you have to really let the um, the audience know 
I mean, I think one of the best shows I ever saw was Jeff Tweedy solo at the Great American Music Hall. And he had a comedian open and the comedian was fucking smoking. I don't remember who it is, um, but he was just riffing on how Tweedy was backstage doing heroin and stuff. And, you know, just <laughs> all this great shit. And it was incredible. So I think for it to work, the people have to know. And also, I told Marcus this, whenever the theaters are seated, it's going to be great when they're standing. It's not good for the comedian because people are walking around like, why is that roadie talking about his dick? You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? They're just like drinking beer and then they'll just turn their back on you and just talking. And the comedy is uh, if you're a, into comedy like me, the room is the and the audience are so vital. They have to be like really like music when i played music for years it's like if they're not into it you just turn the amp up play the set and move to the next city but if they're not into the comedy you gotta fucking figure it out you're like oh, i'm up here 20 20 minutes here <laughs> yeah. you know i mean so, yeah. the, like the stand-up is such a one-on-one -on -one relationship almost with you and the audience a band you can kind of overpower you can you can drown out things talking if it's yeah, I mean, standing room only too. must a GA must yeah. be tough for doing comedy. Oh, it is. It is. It is. I remember when I was out with Allison Chains, I would peek open the curtain. I go, yes, yeah, seats. And they'd be like, fuck seats. <laughs> and then when it was general mission, they'd be like, all right, general mission. I bet like, oh, it's going to be a long one tonight. <laughs> Man, I saw uh, I saw Ken Trail this summer on that God. solo tour. Great, dude. He it to me is one of the most unsung musical heroes of the last 30 years. His backing vocals to me are as important as Mike Mills to R.E.M., uh, Michael Anthony to Van Halen. I feel like he doesn't get the respect he deserves. Do you think it's just kind of the whole Lane Staley thing floating over his head is why people don't really give him the just do? I think he gets the respect. No problem. I think everyone loves Allison Chains. And that's respect right there. And they know he's the guy, the two dudes up front. Mm -hmm. I don't think that he has any problem with the respect. I think that when you put out something as massive as those three records, Dirt, uh, the first record, Facelift, and uh, the three-legged dog record, when you have that body of work, I mean, how are you going to ever... I mean, they have three crushing records. Yeah. So the 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 weight is so huge of, uh, you know, of Lane and him together. And you got to you got to remember, too, that's back in a, an era of mystique where you're like, who are these guys? They do drugs. They write crazy dark tunes. We don't see him taking a shit on Instagram or eating pizza. <laughs> I've seen. So that's kind of the uh, the thing, the Seattle movement of Soundgarden, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, and Allison Chains, and and Melvin's. Um, those bands are kind of the last of the real mystique of uh you know like whoa man that shit is dark they were real you didn't find out years later like ah they weren't really shooting dope that was just stuff they were writing about they were rich kids none of that shit and, and when you get into sean smith and that whole scene of uh mother love bone who i think is absolutely next level 
you know, when you get in all that, it was just a, a real, real incredible time. I think that the the Black Crows have that same mystique to them. Like they're a band that really kept their inner circle tight. And you didn't know a whole lot about them, but especially during that that magic period between 92 and 97 with Mark Ford and Eddie Harsh. And that that's I mean, they're they're a band that I feel doesn't quite get their due for what they were doing at the time. It's it's a tough. Like I said, it's a tough thing, man. When you're known for like, look at Wallflower, same thing, you know, one headlight. Uh, you know, when that's on the radio, she talks to angels is on the radio. You have that, you know, Kings of Leon, it happened to where Kings of Leon, the record after the big one, I thought was one of the darkest, great records of, you know, of our time, man. I was like, how are people sleeping on this fucking record? How do you fall in love with the band and they sell out arenas? And just a year later, you're like, nah. How does that fucking happen? So uh, I think they don't get their due as far as there was always that kind of thing that, oh, they're just the faces or whatever, because people only checked in once on them. And 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 that's lazy journalism, too. Right, right. That's what I'm talking about, journalism. But I think that, you know, if you look at it, it does it really matter if you're playing in front of great audiences and, and filling theaters for years and years and years, I don't think it really matters. Um, and also it's kind of good to weed out kind of the cell phone Karen's in there with their wine, you know, <laughs> play. She talks to angels. What's this bullshit? You know, what the fuck is this shit? You know? So it's a it's a double-edged sword. I do know that some artists would be like, you know, I just never really uh, I don't get the credit or whatever. But if I look back right now at my career of comedy, 13 years now already, I'm, I'm doing it. What more do you want? You know, that's the first thing you wanted to do. And then you, you know, you have to keep your your fucking brain focused and be like, oh, that's right. I'm doing it. So right. I think Black Crows, they have the proper audience. And at the end of the day, that's really what you want. I know that, you know, a Dave Attell, who's one of the greatest comedians ever. I'm not sure he wanted. I don't I don't imagine a Dave Attell in an arena. No, I also know he doesn't want to grind and starve. He's not starving or whatever. You just want to be like, I want to be Dave Attell, you know? And uh, I, I mean, to me, my dream is just to do theaters. I don't want to do arenas. I'd like to do theaters where there's no check drops and you're just out there and the people are there for the comedy for the right reasons, you know, and Black Crows, you know, I think they've always had the people that were there because they're willing to take the journey no matter what they fucking put out. Oh, take off work during the summer, go to four or five shows. I tell people all the time, 92 to 97 live consistently, they didn't have an equal. It, it was, and it was every night. I've never heard. A, sh- a tape from a show from those five or six years that that was anything other than next level well there's some bands out there at that time that they were looking at the mother hips there were some very influential people around them at the time and also chris and rich are deep 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 music heads so they're they're uh i'm sure they're going to get bored with one thing for a little bit whatever they're into it's really going to be uh mold what's going on out there for them you know but the mother hips to me was uh right up there 
most yeah. mo- mind-boggling live band in those uh, 90s that, I, I mean, it's just fucking insane to watch that band back then. Well, I tell everybody that first interview that you did with Gorman, I think it's the definitive Steve Gorman interview of any I've ever heard. No, it's fascinating because it was the first time I'd really heard him give a long form interview. And he's one of the great storytellers of all time. Oh, he's, and, a, uh, he's one of the greatest drummers of all time. He plays yes. in my ACDC Bon Scott tribute. Oh, yeah. I've seen the videos on that. And I went and saw him recently with Trigger Hippie. <laughs> it was so funny. During one song, I was like, Steve, you're not in the Black Crows anymore because he was murdering the drum. <laughs> I mean, you know, and Trigger Hippie, you know, is more kind of soul and R&B yeah. and stuff like that. How did you and him hit it off and become such good friends? You know, I'll tell you a funny uh, story. I- I've been around the Black Crows my entire life. Whenever I'm talking to a member of the Black Crows, I always say it's to celebrate, not to investigate. And I'm not looking for dirt on each member. I'm just looking for the great stories because they were a real rock and roll band traveling around with drug addiction, great songs and massive work ethic. And I want to let people know what comes with that. Now, if you're going to just gloss over it most of the time or say, ah, fuck that guy or that guy, then it's going to get uh, really kind of weird. But when I first met Steve, uh, my buddy was uh, tech for rich and they were playing voodoo fest on the lions tour. Mm. And I got on the bus and, and, and Steve was there and he was just kind of, I didn't, I, I, not that I didn't like him, but I was just blown away how in the sports he was. And I was like, yeah. Oh, bummer. You know, yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I, I want to talk like Bonzo and Zeppelin. And, uh, you know, I want to talk, uh, but as I got to know Gorman, I realized, Oh man, he's into all kinds of shit like me. He loves fucking music, but he loves sports and he loves, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff. So then you immediately go, Oh, I get it now. But at the time I was there, he was watching like a football game in the back lounge on the screen. I was like, Oh, Hey, what the fuck? You know, you watch <laughs> sports, <laughs> but when I really fell in love with him was when he came over to the house and sat down and just laid it all out there. And then when we started playing together, I was like, Oh man. I mean, I have a really difficult time with the black crows. If it's not the lineup uh, that I know, because I know what the drums are supposed to sound like and feel like, uh, you know, uh, that's what made him great. That's what made him great. And also another thing with Mark Ford, when Mark Ford plays wiser time, that's when I know if the guitar player is going to be able to handle this, because if it's not slippery, you know, at that top intro, it's not going to (laughs) happen. And I don't knock it at all. I'll go see him, but, uh, I'm not a guy that sits on the internet and goes, these fucking guys need to get these guys in the band. I know what bands are like. I know that people are, can be difficult and I know it's insane out there and yeah, definitely do it. But, uh, I can seek out other bands. Marcus King is, uh, makes me feel like when I first saw the black crows, rival sons, uh, angel Olson, uh, you know, King Buffalo, uh, Mastodon, these bands make me feel like when I saw the black crows, I don't sit there and argue, about who should be in the band or whatever. I just know each guy is a great dude when I've sat down and talked to him. Rich, Mark, Steve, 
all great dudes. Rich, this guy's incredible. He's just a shy dude and didn't want to be the rock star. He just wrote fucking great riffs, loved uh, amazing guitar equipment, and, uh, you know, had to deal with his brother. Fucking incredible. So each one uh, has been amazing on the podcast and, uh, I've been so happy to have them and I'm fucking happy to have this band's music in my life. They yeah. took me through an era of my life that, uh, you know, going around and seeing them on the road, opening for some of the guys, having some of the guys in my band, Mark Ford played in my band. Uh, when we did the, uh, Fillmore, when I headlined it, he was unreal. He tells a great story about chilly weather. Uh, I talk about that on the podcast and Steve's played with me. He I've, I've had the honor to play with these dudes and, uh, and have lunch with rich multiple times. And all of them are great, man. And, uh, I don't knock any of them. I get the business. It's fucking gnarly. You know, that's why I do comedy. Now I played <laughs> music and I was like, I can't deal with other people. I'm going solo and I'm going to tell jokes. <laughs> well, that, that is one of the things that I have found doing this podcast. Obviously, we haven't had Chris or Rich on. I've spoken to Chris once before, but we haven't had them on. We've had everybody else. And that's we kind of take a lot of the approach you do. We don't get down in the dirt with it. I mean, I had Chris's first wife on here recently, Lala Slopeman. It was the most positive interview you're ever going to hear. And I, I do appreciate that Like with people like you because you do a good job of coaxing stories out of people. That's a good trait to have when you're doing a long-form interview. I mean, you were the first time I'd ever heard Sven talk when you did Magpie yeah. and uh, Sven got on there for, for a few minutes. Well, Dean, we don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, we'll do this thing at the end. A lot of times when we have a person like you on, we give you five rapid fire questions. What do you oh, think? Shit. Yeah, <laughs> all right. Yeah. What is your favorite album of all time? Oh, that's impossible. I never answer that because it's uh, it, it, what type of music is it? Miles Davis on the corner. You know, is it Zeppelin three? Is it, is it uh Prince sign of the times? You know, it's, it's so eclectic and all over the board, you know, right now it's the new Afghan wigs. I cannot stop listening to that. Six months ago, it was the new Wilco, uh, cruel country. Three years ago, it was Wilco being there. So it depends where I'm at in my life. And what's going on with me? So that's totally impossible. And some people will say like desert Island record. I go no record. Cause you'll go crazy having one record. <laughs> like, Fuck this record. And you'll just fling it like a bad CD. You know? <laughs> so it's really hard. I love music. Obviously uh, black crows, you know, I think the three snakes record is one of the greatest darkest weird fucking records to come out in the 90s you know or whatever year that came out i can't remember that's a masterpiece i mean black crows have like three masterpieces that have been played at my house for so fucking long and i love before the frost uh it's funny because when i had rich on he was shitting on uh I ain't hiding. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I was like, nah, man, that's a great song. I know what the what Chris was all about there. He's he's going for his undercover, his uh, you know, that Stones disco era. I, I, I want to say this too. I wanna I, I never get to say this enough when I'm around the Black Crows people. I think some of the greatest work Chris ever did was New Earth Mud. Yes. And I went to see that when I first moved to LA, it was uh I'm 
I'm 56 now. So I was 36. I got a text and it said, uh, Hey, go to Malibu in tomorrow. Chris Mark, is going to play. So forward. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, Whoa, really? And I went out there and, and, you know, I mean, this is like fucking to me, like, holy grail. Mark Ford's going to play. They play Red Balloon. They do these tunes. And I was like, this is fucking great. And then when he gets together with Paul Stacy, mm. does that first new Earth Mud record, Silver Car, Dear K, all that stuff. He's wearing a blazer now. He's on Letterman <laughs> in like a blazer. Acoustic. <laughs> I was down with it i go okay he's transforming into uh the next era in his life and i was really disappointed when he didn't see that all the way through the next record and then just keep going because that songwriting with paul stacy was so unique and beautiful and haunting i was like this is some fucking great shit so i i, I wanted to get that out there and 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 you can't even get that first record you know right. it's hard I to got, come by I got the CD and it has like a DVD in it. Uh huh. <laughs> great album cover too, man. And then 40 days was a great fucking song. Yeah. That's uh, definitely some, uh, unsung greatness that he put out on those two records for sure. Oh, now, really? Big time. Big time. Now. Rapid fire. New bands. Yeah. What's the, what's a great new band that people never heard of that they should. Oh man. Let me get my phone. Hold on. <laughs> because. Uh, I love promoting new bands. It's one of my favorite things to do because when I was young, somebody come over and go, dude, you got to check this out. And you, you put it on, you're like, oh, fuck yeah. So without that kind of, uh, you know, uh, shout out. And I have new bands on all the time on the podcast. Uh, so let's see here. I'll tell you this. I'm really loving this. I've never heard it. She's not new, but it's kind of new to me. And a record just came out. This Angel Olsen. Mm. Fantastic. Uh, I love King Buffalo. They got a brand new record out. That's just insane. I love the, uh, have you guys heard Greg from the Mother Hips' uh, new solo record? No. saw It popped up the other day. Yeah. He did like a, an R&B soul record man it's it's just fantastic i absolutely love um the radiohead side project the smile i think that is some of the best music going right now um they're not really new but it's a new act you mm. know you know it's funny i i i had uh john mayer on it a few years ago and I was like, I had never listened to him. So I, I call him a new artist to me you know? <laughs> because I think born and raised is one of the greatest records I've ever heard. Hands down. Yes, you're uh, absolutely right. I think it's a goddamn masterpiece. So that's a new artist. But uh, King Hannah had him on recently. If you're into Mazzy Star, King Hannah is going to knock you out, man. St. Paul and the Broken Bones, still heavy, heavy into them. Some of the greatest music I've heard. Great singing. Unreal. Uh, this uh, Twin Peaks, they're not necessarily new, but uh, new to me over the last few years. Fantastic. Have you heard Here Lies Man? No. No. Yeah. Fucking great. Here Lies Man. Great. I'm just going to peel off a bunch for everybody and they can write them down. 
over the last few years, of course, Fuzz, great. Uh, Fontaine's DC, incredible band. Fontaine's DC, check that out. And these are all different types of music, so I don't want you guys to go like, this This doesn't sound like the Black Crows. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love Julian from the Stroke side band, The Voids. I think that's some of the greatest music going. Um, and I love the Strokes uh, so fucking much, man. Oh, oh, God, I can't forget this band, Tropical Fuckstorm. Unreal from Australia. <laughs> yeah, dumb name. I told him I don't like the name. Uh, I think they'd be way further without that name, but this record, Brain Drops, will knock you out, man. Um, King Gizzard and the Lizard, anything uh, they put out, Unreal. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm just trying to scroll through this because I know there's other bands that I just, uh, I just love. Other. Oh, Handsome Jack, have you heard them? now oh my god man if you like credence you're gonna love handsome jack everything's right. gonna they're from uh, every, everything's gonna be all right of course anything mastodon does i am full on um okay my mic went on for some reason uh let's see i love that side project that uh Wes claypool did with uh julian or not julian um sean yeah yeah that all right. I don't know what happened, but you got me still? Uh-huh. Okay, cool. Anyway, all of that stuff, you know, Uncle Acid and the and the Deadbeats, you heard them? No, man. Oh man. So yeah, there you go. Those are those are that's a lot of fucking music for you. <laughs> Gonna have a lot of listening. Right, so to do. what's your uh what's your what's your favorite city for food when you go on the road? Oh, uh San Francisco. For sure. There's no better food than San Francisco for me. I just, okay. it, it, it's got all of the best, you know, they got great culinary academy spilling out and, um, you know, having this fantastic food everywhere. Let it, let it be Indian food or uh, Thai or Mexican. Some of the best burritos on the planet, the best burritos on the planet, I think, are in San Francisco. And I also love uh, food in New York, big time. Uh, uh, hold on. My headphones went back on. <laughs> <laughs> Weird. Okay, what'd you say? <laughs> I said, I always want to know your opinion on this. Uh, David Lee Roth or Sammy Hagar? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> David Lee Roth. Yeah. <laughs> Sammy Hagar, though, uh, solo records up to, uh, up to Standing Hampton and his Montrose work. Fantastic. After that, I, I'm, I'm not really a, a Sammy guy. Uh, I mean, I understand, you know, what he did was unbelievable, mad respect, selling the, the tequila, opening the clubs, becoming basically kind of a Jimmy Buffett. You know, I think it's very, it's a very fine line when you're out there and you're playing music and you're not making any money. And then you put other irons in the fire and you start to make money. Then you're like, well, you get that thing of like, people are like, well, is he an artist or is he an entrepreneur? And I, I think he's a fucking survivor. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what he is. You know, you're surviving in the arts, but as far as true grit, Sammy Hagar, when he had Gary Peel, Bill church and Carmasi on the uh, drums. And you watch that shit at the winterland. I saw him back then a bunch, uh, not at winterland, but you know, when he was out uh, solo, 
And man, that fucking guy could go at it, man. And, and Dave, uh, Dave's only great up to uh, fair warning in my for my ears. All right, last question. Favorite ACDC album? Oh, that's easy. Highway to Hell. Okay, right people on. Always, people always pick Power Age. Look, I get it. Power Age is a masterpiece. I get it. I love it. I love Kicked in the Teeth. I love Sin City. I love, uh, you know, all of Power Age. I dig it. I, I've done the record multiple times. But the depth of what they became on Highway to Hell and the perfect example is Night Prowler. You're, you, you're, you have the one of the greatest records ever made because not only do you have killer songs, but you have this sonic sound that Mutt Lang did where it wasn't overproduced and it wasn't underproduced. And you also have some of the greatest songs on there, Beating Around the Bush, uh, Shot Down in Flames, If You Want Blood. I mean, this thing is a smoker. Well, Dean, it's been fun to have you on and enjoy talking music with you. I want to tell everybody to go to deandelray.com. You can get all the tour dates for his solo act with uh, Marcus King. He's got a very active Patreon. The podcast is Dean Delray's Let There Be Talk. Yeah, man. If you guys are out there, come down and see the uh, shows, Marcus King and I. Are you guys playing New Orleans? I think so. Let me look. I'll tell I you think right it's. Now. I think it's actually the last date on the tour. I think you're right. Yeah. Let me see here. I just uh, loaded it up here. Yeah, it is. It's 1027, the Fillmore. Okay. Oh, that is an amazing new venue in New Orleans. Yeah, hit me up, dude. I'll yeah. get you on the list. Come on down and hang out. Smoke yeah, I'm some gonna... crack. You guys smoke, <laughs> smoke crack, right? Oh, yeah. Well, I live in New York, man. It's it's mandatory. So uh, oh, I'm gonna be in New York. I'm gonna be in New York next week, dude. Yeah, I'm gonna try to make it down to the show, man. Yeah, hit me up. Two nights at the beacon. Looking forward to seeing you guys. Well, Dean. We always let our guests pick a playout song. It can be any song in the world for us to play out. Oh, man. Well, you know, since we're celebrating the Black Crows, uh, I would love to hear um, uh, Evil Eye. Okay. Nice. That song is fucking killer. We will definitely play a, a good live version of Evil Eye. Thank you so much for coming on. Stay tall, everybody.